Welcome to America This Week. I am Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. And Walter, we're, we're going to make a we're going to make a big pronouncement this week, which is sort of out of, out of character for us. Really? What, what is it? Well, it's your idea. Which one? I have so many. Uh, which was the most beautiful? Basically, what we're going to tell, we're going to suggest is that the future of media now has been reduced to podcasts and maybe a few other things we can get into. But a succession of recent news events has basically obliterated any possibility of widespread audience trust in the traditional news landscape. There's just no way to get information about anything important through the places we used to get information from. And the most recent episode, uh, which I think has had a devastating effect on the news landscape, no matter what you think of the individual in question, the, the dismissal or the shelving, I don't, even, I don't even know how you characterize this, Removing Tucker Carlson from the lineup of Fox News has not only obliterated Fox's ratings, but mm-hmm. it's made it's reduced the the news binary, right? Because we have mm-hmm. basically two news landscapes. We have blue news and red news. They are right. both massively distrusted now by their own bases. Um, Fox has had a catastrophic audience loss just in the last couple of weeks. Um, what are the numbers on that? Do you know? Yeah. So just as an example, Brian Kilmeade, um, who I, you know, I like, I like Brian, you know, I mean, I think he's trying, right. Mm-hmm. But he had 1.33 million during the 8 PM slot on Wednesday, which is mm-hmm. a 56% drop from the Carlson show from the previous period in a week. Yeah, that's a big drop, right? And Fox's obviously we've we've heard they've had a plunge in stock price. There are indications that its overall audience is now going to drop to the point where it's going to be genuinely competitive. It's going to have to compete for the number one spot, maybe even the number two spot, Mm -hmm. um, where it's dominated cable news. Almost without exception, with, with with the exception of a brief period in 2017, when the Russia thing was at its you know peak insanity, Fox right. dipped under MSNBC briefly. But as, apart from that, it's been number one since the Lewinsky, the Lewinsky story, mm-hmm. and and now it's nose diving, which leaves most of America with what exactly because. MSNBC, CNN, CBS, NBC, those those outlets have already suffered their big blows with their audiences. Right, right. Right? So well, what's it's left? Defin- it's definitely a fragmentation and a, a sort of atomization of the n- news landscape. I think part of Fox's problem is that they have not explained to their audience uh, at all why they took uh, Carlson off the air and they really just took him off the air. They didn't fire him, which is, you know, because they didn't fire him, it makes you think, well, there wasn't a fireable offense. It's just an editorial decision in some way. Um, An editorial decision at variance with their audience's preferences, which just makes it completely mystifying because, you know, we, we, we thought we were in a 
capitalist enterprise uh, uh, world, but it turns out we're in some ideological world which won't explain itself. Um, in any case, uh, uh, I, I think you're right. The total effect of the uh, of these events is to make you feel you're on a breaking up ice flow that there's uh, you know nowhere to stand and you can't even hop around in any uh, assured way um, because everything's just sort of becoming slivered and fractured and and you start to wonder if uh, you start to wonder if truth or any sort of reliable information can be had from places that are undergoing this process. And I, and I think to decide negatively about the whole thing is rational at this point. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think there's any other way that audiences can respond. I can see a strategy. The, the, the strategy that I'm going with there that I have for years is I try to watch like a representative sample of both left and right media and, you know, use the Kremlin Kremlinological technique of picking out right. certain facts and trying to figure out um, if there's anything in there that isn't bullshit, what I can garner from that. Um, and then going forward, but there's no, there's no place where I would trust you know, as a right, right. sort of comprehensive news gathering organization, not even not even the foreign ones anymore. Like, you know, I, I used to read BBC, CBC, um, AFP, uh, Der Spiegel. You know, um, as a as a way of kind of supplementing uh, coverage of especially of American foreign policy, which is so has been so bad. Uh, for so long mm -hmm. in this country. Um, but those places now appear to be under their own form of capture. Right. So right. institutional news, I, you know, I don't know where, I don't know where you get, um, the, you know, the, the, the comprehensive information. What do you, I mean, what's your story? What do you do? Well, maybe we should train an AI to scrape the news landscape and use some algorithm of discounting, you know, various prejudices and so on. But imagine that we could. Would it still yield anything like truth? I don't think it would. Um, it, what you have now is a multi-partite argument between institutions which, frankly, have their institutional interests uh, first and their audience and sort of ethical truth seeking interests second third or whatever um and uh cannot find and and none of these investigations can finally yield uh, uh anything that can be counted on um you know it's weird the fox thing when you can't even count on greed uh, right when, exactly when, when you can't even count on them uh serving up red meat to their audience then what are you to think uh, it, it's all backroom deals. And we, one thing that the news really doesn't do well is report on itself. Um, and uh, in the Fox case, though there have been lots of weird 
sort of character assassination campaigns against Carlson using what appear to be smuggled video from Fox Studios and, you know, inside information. David Brock. Right, right, right. What is that about? Fox coordinating with David Brock? You know, well, I, I mean, I guess David Brock is an assassin. And if, when you need someone assassinated, you go to them. Goes in the top of the strange bedfellows column, 2023. Or, or maybe time is, co- you know, it's a square circle, right? Because for those who, who don't re- understand the reference, David Brock was the Republican hitman in the 90s. Uh, he basically orchestrated all the major anti-Clinton campaigns from Whitewater to um, the impeachment controversy around Monica Lewinsky. He he was an expert uh, organizer and fomenter of media frenzies. And in the 2000s, um, he switched sides sort of abruptly. Uh, And now he... uh, at least since 2016, organizations like Media Matters, which is which was founded by him, if I'm not mistaken, he founded mm-hmm. Media Matters for America, right? I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's it, he, he's been the, the 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 leading figure behind all of these sort of Hillary Clinton led uh, right. media attacks on various figures. And now it's Media Matters for America, which is doing these bizarre leaks of, of Carlson, you know, doing asides on his set. Um, well, including including an aside in which he raises his middle finger to the screen and says, "Fuck Media Matters." That was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't that's even how, see that. Is that true? That's how that's how postmodern this whole thing has gotten. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that was one of the most piquant of the of the clips. You know, I, I can tell you that having been around cable news a little, the way that people warm up for a, a show is that they sit and joke with the makeup person and, you know, the sound person, oh, or whoever else. And they they tend to be outrageous because they're trying to get loose in a very uh, in a very uh, self-conscious setting. They're, they're, they're loosening up their voice, their mind, their uh, their laugh. Uh, and their face. And so now we have all these clips of Tucker Carlson, you know, uh, uncensored, as it were, none of which are very damning. None Most of all. Of wh- especially with a guy who's on a guy whose um, reputation is for being, I don't know, sort of an uptight preppy. Um, and you see that he's not at all that. He seems a little bit more, you know, Brad Pitt and True Romance in a lot of these clips, right? That's funny. That's right? Funny. Like he's he's a little bit like stoner on the couch. You know, he's getting the makeup put on and he's looking side to side and thoughts are entering and leaving his head, you know, in fleeting seconds. Like that's not the way we usually associate um, the kind of behavior we usually associate with this right. character. But uh, and with conservatives, as it were, mm-hmm. in general. But, you know. The funny thing about the change in the landscape, absent Tucker, is that in some ways he was a one-person alternative to all of these things because he was an outlier at Fox itself in, in the sense, for example, that he was anti-war. Um, and uh, 
he and that makes him an outlier in the entire landscape because you won't find an anti-war voice on any of the networks um so it really was a as we said last week a a um a win for homogeneity um now giving up on this whole uh institutional news uh world one has to wonder what is lost is anything important lost at this point were we in a were we in effect in a an abusive legacy relationship with a set of partners that were no longer devoted to us in any fashion that resembles the past and we probably went on long you know too long out of habit in the first place we're not prepared to we're not prepared to reassemble a, a substitute that's true um but i think more damage was being done ultimately by our loyalty to the old model um people you know i was listening to an old george carlin uh interview the other day and you know he he was talking about how 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 it isn't a bad thing when you stop trusting the untrustworthy um and uh maybe this is just the final blow the sort of breakup moment where you go you know what these places have been devoted for a long time to keeping us angry keeping us divided uh disciplining thought rather than uh opening it up um they don't seem like truth seeking uh uh agents anymore they they seem to be in the business of behavior modification getting us to do something put on a mask take off a mask uh etc and uh i for one probably won't be much affected because my alienation happened a while ago but i still find myself in the uh, you know citizen's position of wanting to know you know how the war is well, going right. let's let, let's let's take the example of something that happened yeah. this week something exploded over the kremlin this week um i wish that would be the headline too something exploded <laughs> Over the Kremlin for some reason. <laughs> for some it, reason. It appears. <laughs> it appears. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Right. <laughs> um, I, I think in the un, under the old standard of news, if I were a news director, let's say at CB at CBS in 1986, and this happened, and the spokesperson for the president of Russia or, you know, going, going back to then the general secretary of the Soviet union, if they had blamed, um, you know, something like that, if they had said, of course, we don't think this is Kiev doing this, you know, behind this stands Washington. Okay. If I would have, I would lead with that, not because I care what they say or why they're saying it, but because the implications of a nuclear power blaming the United States for what they're calling an attack on the Kremlin right. are enormous for the for all of society. Like the 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 newsworthiness of that is this could be the predicate of a decision that goes that rolls us forward into active conflict and maybe even nuclear conflict. Who knows? Uh, but as you say, news is about behavior modification now. 
So what everybody's stressing in sort of conventional news in America is how full of it the Russian response is, how it's a false flag episode. Um, and there's just no discussion at all of, of the implications of it, no, no matter how you know crazy the, the Putin government is. So they're training audiences to get out of the habit of trying to understand, um, to even ask questions about uh, sort of newsworthiness or why something is important. Or does that make sense? They're training audiences to ask questions, you say, but they're not giving them the material to to come up with answers. Well, I, I think I think they're tra- they're training audiences to 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 not even consider certain questions. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, like in other words, the the old the old system of media would have said, "This is newsworthy because this is going to make this possible," and right. no matter what. No matter what the reasons for for this happening are, uh, happening might be like this could this could lead to this, right? And right. we have to consider all that. Um, we're training audiences to just not even not even work that into their thoughts. Instead, the reaction is, "Oh, the Russians did something bad, and we hate them because they they're liars," and which may all be appropriate. Who can, who knows? But but the this other th- set of considerations we're just not even going to talk about. So, okay, I'll address this in a slightly tangential way. I was driving home from Las Vegas to Montana yesterday, and I was on an interstate somewhere in northern Utah, out in the deserts of northern Utah. And uh, I was listening to the news, uh, listening to news about this uh, incident. And as you say, um, the news had nothing to do with uh, the implications of of such an event or, uh, you know, what might happen as a result of it. It was actually not news. I think it was talk radio. It was people and they're all the same now. Uh, right. and, and they were blaming Russia and saying, oh, maybe they did it to themselves and da, 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 da. And it was all this all this puzzling through this thing. And I thought, you know, someday I'm going to be driving down the road and there's going to be a flash on the horizon and my car is going to roll over (laughs) off a cliff as a nuclear uh, shockwave hits me. And I will have had no warning whatsoever that it might hit. It's just going to happen because if in the past I could have I could have, you know, think about the Cuban Missile Crisis or something. Mm-hmm. If in the past I could have, you know, anticipated by a few days even that international, uh, acute international conflict and nuclear conflict was going uh, to occur, I don't know that I trust that anymore. So I'm just going to have to reconcile myself to the fact that someday I'll be buying eggs or driving down the road in northern Utah, and all of a sudden my car is going to roll over as I see an x-ray of my own hand on the steering wheel. Um, There's a shot like that in Repo Man. (laughs) 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 Oh, no, that's the cop opening the trunk. Yeah, but uh, sorry, go ahead. But but, but so so to me, that represents a kind of boundary condition of total failure on the part of the news. If there's one thing that I ask of the news, maybe it was even unconscious. It was that it would give me a heads up on when nuclear wars might start. 
Right. I th- I think that's not unreasonable. Yeah. We're not asking for a lot. No. You know, I want to just be able to reach for the iodine tablets, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Have time to get to the to the to the the basement hideout. Um yeah, I mean, we're just not even covering that. I mean, you you, you think about how they would have covered the Cuban, Cuban Missile Crisis today. Um, and we go back in time and we, we look at how they did that. And of course, the American news audience was massively disinformed uh, about the all sorts of things. Yeah. The details, right? Like, you know, how much were we really told about the fact that we had missiles in Turkey. Right. right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, and that this was maybe possible, maybe possibly part of uh, the Soviets thinking and doing this is the, is it was a counter provocation. This was left out of, the, of right. a lot of the coverage at the time. However, ultimately the populations of both countries were deeply aware uh, that we were hurtling towards something very significant. Right. The reasons you could argue about the reasons privately, um, but at least they were telling the audiences that something important was going on. And maybe that was because this wasn't that long after a couple of wars, including a world war, and and people were still deeply in tune with that question. Yeah. But now I look to see what's trending on Twitter and, you know, this idea that we may have taken a step towards military conflict with a with a country that can actually fight back for the first time since what world war ii like i i it's not even on anybody's radar so so i looked at twitter on this topic and one thing i found frustrating was that people what i presume to be people maybe automated entities were arguing that you shouldn't even go to anything more than just anger at Russia over any of this. That to even think about your own hide in in this equation, to even be concerned about our own survival or, you know, that of our major cities was a little selfish because you were taking time away from hating on Putin. I I imagine, you know, vast, uh, vast fields of fire in the American heartland in which people go down thinking, you know, uh, this is worth it because, uh, see, Putin's an asshole. Um, I was right. 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 Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I get that for what, let's just say, I don't know. You're one of that tiny minority of people that has children, for instance, you know, like, um, are you really going to prioritize your, you know, your hatred of some faraway regime over the more basic calculus of I don't want my house to blow up and I I don't want my kids irradiated. Like, um, I mean, this this is this is why this has been a constant struggle with um, between kind of the news and audiences for a long time. We've had all of these episodes where they've. Uh, going back to Vietnam, where uh, institutional authorities have told us that one of the failings of of uh, the news industry is that it's it's not able to rally the public behind these various wars of choice that we've entered into, um, and that you know we we look at at back in triumph 
at episodes like the first Gulf War when people were kind of stoked for it a little bit. And mm-hmm. then then the second one and, you know, it, it, this was ending the malaise and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> and then sort of questions like, well, why why do we no longer vote on whether or not we're going to go? We're, even our representatives don't really vote on it. Not not really. Um, no, apparently not at all. I mean, in the case of they, they vote on how much they're going to, uh, you know, how much money they're going to send uh, to some extent, what range of arms are going to be permissible for export. But that's about it. But this has been this whole question of, um, you know, maybe maybe we just don't want to be involved in a whole lot of these military conflicts, you know, no matter right. what they are or for what reason. Like the. It's excluded from the conversation, as you as you say. There, there are no anti-war people on television. There haven't been for well, ages. So, so, say Tucker Carlson had been broadcasting this week, and this uh, Kremlin fire drone attack, whatever it is, happened. I can imagine, and I, I, I can be pretty sure of this, that he would, in a in a in a kind of fearless way, be investigating all the possibilities and repeating the notion that this had led us closer to a disaster. He was kind of the only one on cable who did that kind of thing. There might be a guest on some show who would say that, but he was the only host who would say that or or behave that way. Well, yeah, but on the, in the rest of media, there, there hasn't been a consistently anti-war figure who has been welcome on television for a long time. I mean, going back to when Phil Donahue got kicked off MSNBC and Jesse Ventura got unhired. Right. Who was the last person who had anti-militarist views who was regularly on television? Right. Well, so, so in using the, using the Carlson example um, as a kind of case study, when I watch the news now, I go, okay, what I'm seeing now will be revealed to be a, a lie or a cover-up. I can almost be sure of that. What do I imagine will be the true story that will come out in a year, if it comes out at all? But it seems that with most uh, topics of burning interest, we, we go through a, suc- a succession of stages. Uh, first, we get the straight-on propagandistic behavioral modification, do this, do that, this is the only uh, way to see this, uh, etc. Then after that, we start to get some contesting voices saying, oh, maybe we erred a little bit, or there's some new information that we didn't have at the beginning. Uh, They start to play defense a little bit against what might be emerging stories. And then finally, they revise history and say, you know, we never said the vaccine would stop COVID uh, or whatever it might be. Or, you know, we never we never claimed that. uh, Yeah, that it would affect transmissibility, that it would be, you know, a vaccine like we understand. We've always understood. Well, right now, right now, there's a big (laughs) brouhaha over who changed, who, who, who closed the schools. You know, and and Fauci's coming out saying, "Show me when I closed the school, etc." 
and, and, and you remember, well, schools closed, somebody did it. Um, it's all fuzzy. So you go through clarity to revisionism to complete fuzzification, and then maybe even uh, a reversal. I wonder what that's going to be with, with the war, for instance, um, because wars, and we tend, to, we tend to forgive propaganda in wars because we think there are existential stakes. So we go along with simplification and falsification more easily, uh, especially at the beginning. But I think we've reached a stage with this one in which it's becoming all too confusing. The stakes are going higher. Our sense of what's happening is sinking. Uh, our, 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 our attempts to find certainty or clarity about events are kind of going out the window. And I think more and more people are just like me. Well, you know, wake me when the, when the flash happens. Uh, uh, um, right. Or they'll work it out. I've got other things to do. And if they don't, well, I guess we all go down the tubes together. The final behavioral uh, result of this new arrangement is fatalism, you know, and surrender. And surrender, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and because I uh, think like a fiction writer, uh, I sometimes wonder if the outcome was not the purpose. We were told growing up that an informed citizenry was absolutely vital to our democracy, that somehow without everyone making a decision that was at least based somewhat on objective truth, we would spin out and lose control and, and fall as a civilization. But an informed and uh, sort of active and committed citizen. If you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America This Week to hear the full version. And for more articles and content, please subscribe to Racket News at taibi.substack.com or racket.news.